This is Mark Christopher Lawrence, and you're listening to Chuck versus the Podcast. Hi, my name is Graham Jones, but you can call me Gray. This is my show. It's about Chuck. It's filled with interviews, the latest news, crazy co-hosts, and spoilers that'll make your day. Oh, wait, wait, I need to go back. I host these TV nights. They used to be pretty boring, but everything changed when I found NBC's new show, Chuck. Pretty soon, my TV night got pretty crowded. Guys I didn't even know were showing up the door. Big important guys. Really scary, nasty, get killed for hosting them guys. Next thing I know, these super episodes are downloaded into my brain. Which means every moment of my life, I'm thinking about Chuck. ChuckTV.net sent their top people to protect me. That's Mel and Liz. They're pretty zany. They co-host with me now as a cover. So now I must welcome you to Chuck vs. the Podcast. The first and only podcast for NBC's Chuck. This is Gray. This is Mel. And Liz is back with us. How are you doing, Liz? Woohoo! I'm fine. I'm glad to be back and talking about Chuck again. Oh, yeah. We're, we're really happy to have you. It's just not the same without you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we're uh, also happy to have all of our listeners back with us. Welcome to 2009. It's going to be a great Chuck year in 2009. I am convinced. Amen to that. We have a very full podcast for you and the first of many, many, and we'll get to that. But uh, we do want to wish everybody a happy new year. The highlight of our episode today is that we have an interview that Mel did with Mark Christopher Lawrence, who plays Big Mike on Chuck. That is going to be a lot of fun. He is was so much fun to talk to. Yeah, and he was very generous with, with his time. We actually have one of our longer interviews, uh, and that's going to be great stuff. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. On the topic of this being a new year, we don't want to gloss over 2008. 2008 was a really great year for Chuck. If you didn't have a chance to look at the Chuck Year in Review that Mel put together on ChuckTV.net, uh, there's a link in the podcast now. I invite you to take a look at that. It, uh, it really helps you understand that it, there was a great year. Let's just highlight some of the salient points. Well, my goodness, when I was putting this together, I thought it was going to be just a quick, brief little post. And as I kept going through, I was like, oh, my gosh, there's so much that happened. Because of the writer's strike and the abbreviated season, it seemed like there wasn't as much Chuck goodness out there but can you imagine with a full season it's going to be insane just a couple of brief things from the check tv.net side of things we were able to of course launch the podcast at the beginning of 2008 our first podcast was in january mm-hmm. and we kicked it off with interviews with Yvonne Strahovski and composer tim jones which was a very exciting way to get going the cast and creative team appeared at paley fest and comic-con which liz and i were able to attend comic-con and we had our roving reporter Roz at paley fest so we had some coverage from that and then, of course, the show won an Emmy for stunts in September, and the the forums kicked off big time once the season two premiered, and it's just been nonstop since then. Mm-hmm. And season two of Chuck, we got a um, more in-depth look at each of the characters individually, which made it a really interesting season, starting off with a little in-depth look at Casey's life and Chuck versus the undercover lover. We got to see um, a little bit more of what makes Casey tick. Captain Awesome, of course, proposing to Ellie. So we're moving along with that storyline with the wedding and plans with that. Chuck got a little bit back together with um, an old flame, Jill. (laughs) That was a three-episode arc beginning with uh, Chuck versus the ex. Jeff had some hidden talents um, come to the surface in Chuck versus Tom Sawyer. We got a little further look into Sarah's past. We got to meet her classmates, Chuck versus the Cougars. We did get to meet Sarah's father in 
Chuck versus the DeLorean. We had even a more in-depth look at Sarah regarding her feelings for her dad. That's about it. You're in review for Chuck. Mm -hmm. And uh, we also saw the release of the comic book for Chuck. And uh, Chuck on Blu-ray was something that I definitely took advantage of. <laughs> yes, being being a geek in the Chuck world is, is not a bad thing. Yeah. And ChuckTV.net did great in 2008. You know, um, of course, with the writer strike and no new episodes for so long, it was it was kind of slow. But overall, we ended the year with more than three hundred twenty-five thousand visitors to the website and over two million page views. With the the bulk of that actually coming since the show premiered in September, so we're definitely back up and running, and the the forums are hopping with debate and discussion and commentary and fan videos and fan fiction and fan everything. So the sites just kind of exploded here as season two uh, took off. And I have to say, I was quite surprised to find out. We didn't really check on how many people were listening to the podcast. And it turned out that we have over 15,000 people listening to every podcast. That is insane. What's wrong with you people? Don't you have anything else to do? <laughs> <laughs> from from at least 12 countries, could be more. Mm -hmm. But we've we've had people email back from 12 countries so far. Not only that, but I was also surprised to find out that we were the number one television show podcast at Podcast Alley. They they do a TV and film category. They don't they don't break down just television alone. And so we we were always like number seventeen, number eighteen out of eleven hundred at Podcast Alley. But then I just had a look at all the people who were ahead of us, and it was all film podcasts. So it turned out that that we've actually been the number one. TV show podcast for quite a while and didn't know it. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> thanks for your votes and thanks for your support. Thanks for listening and thanks for getting all your friends to listen too. And speaking of the podcast ratings, we in January, I think partially because of that uh, wonderful last podcast with Scott Krinsky as our featured interview, we reached even higher. Yeah, we did. We were, we were running at uh, number three overall in the TV and film category. That's including all the film podcasts. And as well, we were ranked at, uh, for a while, number 19 overall out of 53,000 podcasts. That is crazy. Yeah. And so we do want to thank everybody for your votes. And we want to urge you to please continue to vote because we, we can't keep those ratings every month. At the first of every month, all of the votes reset and go back down to zero. So if you can set a calendar reminder to come back at the first of the month, it really just takes a couple of clicks. Um, but it does take a couple of clicks. <laughs> it's not just uh, there's a there's been some confusion. A lot of people think that just by going to chuckpodcast.com and clicking on the podcast alley link that that makes their vote come in or just by going to the podcast alley page that that makes their vote count. Once you get to the chuck versus the podcast page at podcast alley, you actually have to click on a little vote link that's in it's on the top left hand side of the page there, there's a box called actions inside that there's a link that just says vote once you go in there you have two options either number one if you don't want to register for the site you have to fill out that form they send you an email confirmation and then you have to click in that email confirmation in order to make your vote count or if that's too much work work which i, I think it is just <laughs> register for the site it's it's totally painless um, it's totally secure. If you register for the site, then when you come back, it'll either automatically log you in or you just type in your name and password and you don't have to go through that email verification. But you you do have to make sure that it, it'll say thank you for voting. If you haven't seen that thank you for voting, then your vote hasn't counted yet. So 
please uh, set that up and, and vote for us. You may think your one vote doesn't help. It really does. It only takes a few votes to, to change our rating drastically. That's right. And we really appreciate that because the more people vote, the higher our ranking, which brings in more listeners. So people that maybe wouldn't have known to check us out before, you know, if they see that a lot of people are watching, they're like, hey, what's that about? So they come listen to. Yeah. And it also affects the podcast quality because what it does is the higher our ranking, the more cooperation we get in terms of setting up interviews with mm -hmm. cool people behind the scenes, with uh, cool people on the scenes and all that sort of thing. And kind of leading uh, into that, we wanted to chat a little bit about our podcast schedule. We averaged one podcast per month in 2008, but this year for 2009, we're looking at being far more frequent, sometimes even weekly. Some of those may be shorter podcasts with just uh, an interview, and then some will be longer with, with full commentary and all of the witty banter you've come to expect from us about the show. But we have a lot of interviews coming up. We absolutely do. As a matter of fact, I'm really, really excited, uh, being a TV writer myself, we have a three-part writer series that's coming after this. So three podcasts in a row, hopefully weekly, for the next three weeks, we're going to be talking to different writers from the show. After that, we have interviews already set up with directors and an editor from Chuck, and also a fan who visited the set and went behind the scenes and got a lot of photos behind the scenes. Plus, we're very close to landing even more cast interviews. So it's going to be a packed couple of months, even when Chuck hasn't started airing yet. And when is it going to be airing? The new episodes begin on February 2nd, the day after the Super Bowl. And I know we had uh, some confusion last time about what was going to air when. What happened was they changed the order of the episodes. So the 3D episode is now episode 212. And that's what airs on February 2nd on NBC at 8, 7 central. And then Check versus the Best Friend is now episode 213. And that will air on NBC on February 10th at 8, 7 central. So basically all they did was just switch those two episodes around. And I'm very excited that there will not be as much conflict for that time slot because Terminator Sarah Connor Chronicles is going to be moving to Fridays. Mm -hmm. So that means that we are... We have less contention for that time slot. And if you do like both shows, which I do, then mm -hmm. you, you actually can watch them on the air rather than having to fight with your VCR if anybody uses VCRs anymore. <laughs> or the DVR, as the case may be. Yep. And we're going to need some special equipment for February 2nd. That's right. We're going to need some 3D glasses. And those are going to be available at Sobe, S-O-B-E. They're energy drinks. They're made by Pepsi. So you're looking for a Sobe display that is going to be out beginning January 12th at different, uh, from what we understand, different grocery stores, places like Walmart, Target, maybe even convenience stores. You're going to be looking for a large cardboard display, and it should have a picture of Chuck and Sarah on it, and you can pick up your 3D glasses there. So far, this is confirmed just in the United States. We don't know yet if they're going to be in Canada, but we have four members on the lookout, and they'll be letting us know as soon as possible if those uh, displays are up in Canada as well. Yeah, and I do want to clarify that uh, just because you have 3D glasses doesn't mean they're going to be the right 3D glasses for this particular show. There's several different formats of 3D and several different types of 3D glasses, so we will try to get that information to you. We will definitely have at least one, probably two, maybe even three more podcasts before February 2nd, so we'll get you more information as we have it. 
one thing I did want to mention as well is that if you go back to previous episodes of our podcast, you might notice that the quality is a little better. I discovered that by making the file sizes small initially so that people could download them quickly, the quality just wasn't enough. And so what I've done is I've re-encoded our previous podcasts at a higher quality. It means they take a little longer to download but they're a lot more pleasing to the ears. So if, you, if you're interested in listening to some prior podcasts, perhaps if you've just recently discovered us, I urge you to actually unsubscribe in your iTunes, delete all the podcasts you have, and then resubscribe again and re-download them. And that'll make sure that you have the highest quality versions of the podcast. Very cool. Yep. There were a couple episodes that didn't get done. I believe Yvonne Strahovski's interview I had some technical problems with, and also I think episode nine, but all of the other ones are, are significantly higher quality, and I, th- I think you can, you can notice it. We actually have our first contest for 2009. Hooray! This is going to involve some interaction. It's going to involve you getting out your digital camera, and it's going to involve having some fun. Hope you don't mind fun. <laughs> In the spirit of 3D for the February 2nd episode, we want you to get out your 3D glasses and take some pictures of yourself, of the people you watch Chuck with, with your 3D glasses. Send them to us, 640 by 480 JPEG, if possible. By February 9th, send them to mail at chuckpodcast.com. And very exciting, the winner of this contest will actually get custom answering machine music done by the composer of Chuck himself, Tim Jones. So if you win the contest, Tim Jones will do a little music mix that you can put on your answering machine. That is pretty cool. That is awesome. And thank you to Tim for offering to do that. That is so cool. Yeah, he's been a great supporter of the podcast. Mm-hmm. We do want to mention that if you submit photos and there are other people in there besides yourself, make sure that you get permission from those other people because the photos will probably appear in the podcast and or chucktv.net. So we want to make sure that we don't have any lawsuits slapped on us for um, photos of people in 3D glasses because that'd just be embarrassing. Yeah, lawsuits, bad. And have fun with them too. Dress up as the characters, um, get a Chuck shirt and tie, have fun with them. Yeah. Yep. Speaking about fun. Okay, that's that's a weak segue, but we do want to segue towards, (laughs) I want to just plug Mel and Liz a little bit. They actually have a lot of other projects on the go that uh, we've mentioned one of them before, but we haven't mentioned all of them. So guys, take the floor and tell us about some of the other things you're doing. Well, one of our other websites that uh, we run is true-blood.net. And of course, it covers the HBO hit series, True Blood which is right now is on hiatus, but they've gone back into production uh, this week. They'll be going back into production and filming for season two. Um, We were pretty excited to hear that news after only two episodes from the first season. So head on over to true-blood.net. We've got some exciting things going on right now. We've got some cool interviews that we've already done with some key characters and behind-the-scenes folks. We're looking forward to 2009 being able to do even more in that road. The other website that we run is NiceGirlsTV.com, and we cover a bunch of TV shows that pretty much everybody likes to watch. Our target focus, though, is pretty much women from between the ages of 18 and, what, 45, 49? 49, yeah. Something like that. And, um, you know, we just we cover a different different shows, girly shows, Lipstick Jungle, 90210, things like that. We cover sci-fi. We cover Sarah Connor Chronicles. We'll be covering Dollhouse, of course. Once that comes on, it'll be the companion for Sarah Connor Chronicles. Right. 
we'll be covering the new Patrick Swayze TV series, The Beast, which is going to be starting this month on A&E. There's a lot of cool things going on over there, too. We just have a lot going on. And uh, we invite you to go on over there and take a look at us. And, of course, don't forget our sister site for ChuckTV.net, which is Yvonne Strahovski. .net, where we cover everything there is to know about our favorite female spy who happens to be in love with a nerd. Of course, a lot of the content on checktv.net is is about um, Yvonne as well, but there are things like when she does a, you know, a photo shoot that's not specifically for Czech or something like that that doesn't really pertain to Czech. Other projects, we, we post about them over there. So keep on checking that out as well. Yeah. And do leave your comments when you come by. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you like to see. We're really fortunate to have Mel and Liz so well-connected because it means that they can get us some cool interviews. And also, I really want to just commend them. The sites that they do, please go visit them because they are just packed with great content. They're relevant. They get great news stories. Well, we try. Make sure that you bookmark their sites and, and check often. So we're going to roll right into a couple of episodes. We've got Chuck 210, Chuck versus the DeLorean. Of course, any comedy involving Morgan is going to be very funny. <laughs> um, it was a, it was really cool to see the uh, the DeLorean in the store. But this episode was where we got to meet Sarah's father. That's right. And how much fun was it for him to have been played by the guy who plays Papa Brady in the Brady Bunch movies? <laughs> the Gary Cole, he just kills me. Um, he was in an episode of Psych earlier this, or I guess last year now. And Psych is another of my favorite shows. So when I saw that he was guest starring in Czech as well, I was excited about that. So, And playing Sarah's father, no less, which means he's most likely going to be a recurring guest star. His character was very interesting, and it was the door was definitely left wide open for him to return. Mm-hmm. It was a touching episode, especially towards the end there. You know, you don't often see Sarah cry, and when she does, it's moving, mm-hmm. to say the least. And there's some neat stuff in terms of the relationship between Chuck and Sarah. You really got to see, even though her dad was a con man and he was playing them, and yeah, I mean, he had, he had his pet nickname for Chuck and, and all of that kind of thing. And yet, at the same time, he knows his daughter really well, and he knows that she's in love with Chuck. And also, we got to see his approval of Chuck, which even though her relationship with her dad is really shaky... The fact that he approves of Chuck is uh, is pretty significant. I thought it was also pretty amazing when um, towards the end there where Casey covered for her dad when they were talking about having to have him arrested. And he kind of said, well, you know, he helped us out. That should go a long way in cutting his sentence down. It's kind of cool to see Casey become human once in a while. Well, we know he does have at least one feeling. <laughs> finally, finally, we've got one. <laughs> Yeah. He let it show. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it was awfully sweet that it was on behalf of Sarah. You know, mm-hmm. if you consider where they started in this series, so antagonistic, um, you know, the first time they meet, they're, you know, an all out gunfight. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, they started out so antagonistic and we focused so much, I think as an audience, we've been led to focus so much on Sarah and her growth that it's easy to overlook what kind of growth um, Casey's had over the course of the 18 months he spent or however long it's been that he's been with Sarah and, and Chuck on this mission. And so I thought that was a really sweet and telling moment for him to show that Sarah's become more of a partner than an antagonist here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and Casey's starting to argue for Chuck. 
on like mm-hmm. on Chuck's behalf quite often. So it's great to see that. And also it's going to be interesting to see how conflict arises from that when he has to do things that are going to hurt Chuck in some way. Yeah. That's something that the, it constantly is brought up on the checktv.net forum is he's got that kill order once the intersect is, is up and running as a computer again and Chuck is no longer needed. Casey's got the kill order. So how is he going to handle that mm-hmm. as we see him becoming more and more attached to Chuck as a person? Yeah. Well, let's move right on to Chuck 211, Chuck versus Santa Claus, which was an absolutely fun episode. And if you have never seen the movie Die Hard before, which uh, (laughs) incidentally is one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time. If you haven't seen Die Hard before, go and rent Die Hard and then watch that episode again. And you're going to laugh a lot more because it was just packed with Die Hard references. Between Big Mike's cousin being the same cop that was outside when Bruce Willis was inside the building in in Die Hard. We had the same music playing. We even had the Twinkie theme. Oh my gosh. It was just great. That was fabulous. And then the twisty, turny aspect of the episode itself where... As it turns out, this oafish man who's taken them hostage kind of on accident turns out to be Fulcrum. And, you know, the negotiator is also some higher up within the Fulcrum organization. That was interesting and unexpected, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah, I think it was one of the more clever episodes I've seen. Yep. And then we've got to talk about the ending there. It's provoked a lot of discussion within the fandom. A lot of people are not happy with it, but then a lot of other people are saying, you know, this is something that they're going to have to face anyway. When Chuck sees Sarah execute, he thinks this man who has just offered himself up to be taken into custody. And of course, thanks to the machinations of the script, Chuck didn't hear the conversation just prior to that statement when the Fulcrum agent is telling Sarah that even if he goes to jail, he'll get word to Fulcrum that Chuck is the one that they are protecting and that he is the intersect. And so, of course, she she has to think about it, but she realizes that the only way to keep Chuck safe, what she has promised him she will do, is to you know, kill this, kill this man. And it's really, it rattles Chuck to actually witness it. I mean, he knows that Sarah's killed before and he knows that she, he's actually seen her shoot someone before, but not in this context that he thinks. It ends the episode on a jarring note for their relationship. And even more so, the one-two punch of it is that she then lies about it. And so, of course, now he's thinking, what else is she lying to me about? And I think it was just a really concrete way to show some of the other obstacles within this relationship, aside from having another love interest and having a love triangle, which is something that's become a little tired at this point. This is something that's potentially more damaging to their relationship. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out and how if Chuck can accept it, that that's, you know, it's part of her job. Mm hmm. So that wraps up our commentary for episode 210 and 211, and we have just a couple more weeks until we're back with new episodes with the 3D episode. Um, We're going to move right on to our listener question and comment section, which has sort of some bad news, good news. And the bad news is that because of the length of Mark Christopher Lawrence's interview, we've decided to bunch our listener emails up to next week. So next week's podcast will have the listener emails, but the good news is that we've got some new ways that you can contact us coming. That's right. You can, of course, email us at mail at um, checkpodcast.com. If you do do that, please uh, include your city and or country from which you're emailing because we do have a lot of fun hearing from people all over the world, but it doesn't. it's not as fun if we don't know 
that you're from all over the world. So if you could include that, we'd really appreciate it. Another thing you can do is record your question and send us the little audio file in an email as an attachment. And we will play that during the podcast and then answer it. We thought that might be fun. And your third option is to call and leave me a voicemail. I've got a, a special voicemail box set up that you can call and leave your comment or question. And we will then play that on the podcast and respond to you that way. The phone number for that is 310-594-3755. And when you do that, please be sure to leave at least your first name and city or country where you're calling from. And um, like we said, we will be playing and reading these uh, listener comments and questions in our next podcast. Yeah, and and do try to keep them brief. Uh, under 30 seconds is best. And also, I did want to say, there's not a guarantee necessarily that we'll we'll play every single one. We'll do our best to include as many as we can into the podcast. Even if you just want to do a little hello, we'd, we'd love to hear from you. That's right. And also, uh, you can send pictures too. Yeah, uh, if you're listening to the podcast in the enhanced format, then you get to see all of the different photos that Gray includes. And if you'd like to submit your own photos for us to use there, that would be great. Yeah, give somebody, something for people to look at other than the podcast logo that we currently uh, put in our listener email section. Mm -hmm. But we're going to roll right into our interview that Mel had with Mark Christopher Lawrence, who plays Big Mike on the show. This is Mel with Chuck Versus the Podcast, and today we're here with Mark Christopher Lawrence, who plays Big Mike, the uh, overseer of Bimoria. How are you today? I'm doing very well, Mel. How are you? Pretty good. A little bit chilly here in Kansas, but... That's winter for you. Yeah, it's chilly here in San Diego, too. <laughs> yeah, I don't believe you. I'm going to have to wear a sweater today. <laughs> oh, dear. I feel for <laughs> you, man. Well, uh, we're really excited to get to talk with you today. Big Mike is a, a fan favorite on the show, and uh, we solicited some questions from the fans. We said um, we, that we were going to get a chance to talk to you, and so we have quite a few. But first, I wanted to chat with you a little bit about your background and, and how you got into acting. I understand you grew up in a an urban area of Southern California. Is that right? Yes, I grew up in Compton, California, uh, home of the drive-by shooting. Oh, dear. One of the many cities in America where the cost of living is going up, chance of living is going down. Oh, that doesn't sound good. It's just like anywhere else in America. This block is nice. Two blocks over may be bad. Yeah. And. Growing up in that environment that I think, you know, gave me the toughness to be an actor. Yeah, it is a tough gig, but I don't think uh, drive-by shootings aren't really a, an issue for you right now. <laughs> no. No, thank God. So how did you go from, from that to acting? Well, I, I had an English teacher in high school that did two things for me. One, she got me involved in, in speech and debate. Oh. And uh, I ended up with a debate scholarship to USC. And the other thing she did was she got me involved in acting. She taught the drama class. And, you know, my, my high school was a small high school. It didn't, we didn't actually have a theater, but we had a, a double classroom that she would do a play once a year in. And I was in a play in the 11th grade. I got bitten by the acting bug. What play was it? Do you remember? Bus Stop. Ah, and what part did you play? I played the professor, the learned professor. Oh, interesting, interesting. And so instead of uh, getting beat, bit by the teaching bug, you got bit by the acting bug. Yes. And from there, um, so you said you were involved with debate and speech? Yes. 
and earned a scholarship to USC. That's a fairly prestigious school uh, for debate, isn't it? Yeah, SC, uh, when, when I got my scholarship, they were big in debate and not individual events. When they brought me in, I actually recruited a few people, and then all of a sudden we were big on both sides, debate and individual events, and we would go to the tournament and win the whole tournament. Awesome. As before I got there, you know, SC was only winning the debate side. They weren't winning all the individual events, you know, which was great, but, you know, I think we took it to another level when I got there. So you left your mark on the debate team for USC? Yes. I have some friends who have been in debate. I was in, I did some forensics in high school, but wasn't, okay. being on stage isn't my thing. I, I prefer to, you know, build the sets. I watched my friends preparing for debate and it's a lot of work. And then, <laughs> but then you get to go in and I know they're, they're fairly scripted, but they're very, these very passionate discussions. Do you think that helped you in preparing to be an actor? I think it helped me with memorization. I mm-hmm. think, you know, when I look back at it now, I think it, that experience, helps me to pick up stuff very quickly. Which I'm sure is helpful. Yes. You know, the individual events side of it, you know, I did oral interpretation of literature and speech to entertain and things like that. Those directly affect my career, not only as an actor, but as a stand-up comic as well. That's right, because you have a a regular routine that you do uh, in San Diego, correct? I'm, I'm starting a new show January 20th at the North Coast Repertory Theater, which is Solana Beach, which is North County, San Diego. Okay. I was doing a night in Corona, California, which is actually about 84 miles from San Diego. Oh, okay. And the drive just got to be too much. Yeah, no kidding. I, I just like being on stage, you know, as a comic. It, it, it just sharpens your, your, your skill. Mm-hmm. The more you're on stage, the funnier you get. That makes sense because you can get that immediate audience feedback and tweak and, and hone your skills based on that. Part of it is just being comfortable on stage. You know, the audience can sense when you're not very comfortable. Sure. If you haven't been on stage in a while, you know, you tend to be a little nervous and you rush through jokes and your timing is off. And the audience can sense that. And so the laughter is sort of uh, muted, I think. Well, what do you think is your your strength in terms of acting? Is it this the ability to memorize large chunks of dialogue <laughs> or the sharper comedic skills? What do you, What do you think is your strength? Uh, I, I'm actually, in my opinion, I think I'm a better dramatic actor than I am a, com- a comic actor. You're incredibly deadpan, I have to say. You know, in the roles that I've seen you in, like Terminator, uh, Pursuit of Happiness, and of course on Chuck. Yeah. Those aren't really comedic roles. They are more dramatic. I mean, Big Mike is somewhat of a comedic character, but you're not playing, you know, slapstick or. I'm not playing the joke. Exactly. And as as um you know like i've done sitcoms i was on the george Lynch show i was on kelly kelly i was on the last season of uh men behaving badly i was on the mullets and um i think i'm funniest when the joke is active from my end as opposed to me being the sort of straight guy the big mike role is clearly the opposite of that he he is kind of deadpan he's very serious a very serious guy and the comedy comes out of that right but i can play the joke it, you know, if, uh-huh. if if there was a joke that needed that. And I think that's I'm funniest. As an actor, I think in theater, you know, some of my most memorable stuff have been roles that are very dramatic. I just, uh, this past January, did an, a production of Fences, August Wilson's play Fences. Mm-hmm. And I played Gabriel, who is the sort of um, mentally challenged guy in the play. He has a plate in his head. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every night, half the audience was crying. 
Oh, you know, you did a good job then, don't you? Exactly. I mean, that, so clearly that's my strength. I, I mean, yeah. I'm, uh, I think, a better dramatic actor than comic actor. And I, and, and, and I say that because comedy comes so easy for me mm-hmm. that I don't know that I work as hard at it as I, as I do when I'm dealing with dramatic issues, the issues that take me far from myself. Um, you know, anger and stuff like that. It's like it's, it's hard for me to go there because I'm not like that in real life. Mm-hmm. I'm always happy. I'm always very uh, fun to be around. And so when, I, when, a, when a role calls me to be a really bad guy, you know, I really have to work at it and really sort of throw myself into it in a way that I don't have to in comedy because it's right there for me. That makes sense. You mentioned that you've worked in theater. You've done stand-up. Um, you've done films like Fear of a Black Hat. And I mentioned The Pursuit of Happiness, uh, Terminator 2. And, of course, you're doing television, too. Which of those mediums do you prefer, or are you? Do you have a preference? I think I prefer theater. Mm-hmm. You know, immediately backed up by stand-up comedy. I think I think that just the live feedback is is so important. I think I think that it really feeds your ego. Yes. And, and I like to I like to tell people that I really like to know if I suck right now. Uh huh. Waiting eleven months for a film to come out, or waiting till the editors finish with the TV show uh-huh. to see if I suck. <laughs> Because at least if I suck now, I can try to fix it before the next week. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. I also noticed I was looking through your, your website to um, get a feel for some more of your projects that I'm not as familiar with. And I noticed that there is a project I'm very familiar with and didn't realize that I was hearing you on that. And that is Adventures in Odyssey. Oh, yes. I remember I listened to that a little bit as a preteen, but my nieces and nephews just love it. They listen to it every day. And I had no idea that you were on that show. Yeah, uh, about seven years ago or so, they added an African-American family to the show. Mm-hmm. And um, they hired me to be the father. And here's a funny story about <laughs> me and voiceovers. Um, the voiceover world is so cliquish. You know, people, producers and directors work with the same people over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. It's really a struggle to book voiceover jobs. So, like, I've worked with the same five or six people for years. Uh-huh. Over the years, I've had seven auditions over the phone, and I've booked all seven. <laughs> and my agents go, why do you book all these jobs over the phone? I said, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm really comfortable in my underwear. <laughs> now, for those who don't know, Adventures in Odyssey is through Focus on the Family, mm-hmm. and it's, um, it's a children's radio show that um, teaches – lessons from the Bible in a sort of a contemporary real world way um, in this, in this city, um, this little town that they've created there. And I've noticed as, again, as I was looking through some of your projects and in your, your standup material, that there's a theme of faith in your projects and then in your life in general. Um, what does your faith mean to you and, and how has it helped you professionally? Um, you know, my faith is very important to me. I, I, I grew up in a Christian household, and, you know, I, I'm still a practicing Christian today. You know, as, as, as an actor, there's so much rejection. Mm-hmm. I think that my faith helps me to just let it go. I go in, do the audition. I'm either going to get it or I'm not. You know, and if I don't get it, I don't fall apart. It's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think uh, just my faith and my beliefs help me with that. That inner strength. Yeah, I, you know, I remember the first year I, I, I started auditioning for television. You know, my first job, I booked it. My first audition booked it before I got home. It was already on the machine, on the nice. machine. And then 
after that for the next year, every time I had an audition, I'd rush home and check the machine, and I didn't get a job all year. Uh-huh. And, you know, I was like, what is going on? And, and you know, there's something inside me just said, you know what, you're not going to get them all. And I'm sure that that was the spirit talking to me saying, you know, relax. <laughs> It'll come. <laughs> That's cool. It sounds like it's helped you stay grounded. And, you know, I, I understand that this is an industry that is treacherous. So it's helpful if you've got something like that to fall back on, if you've got faith that's already a part of your life. Yeah, absolutely. For years, I look back and and I really appreciate that I grew up just a regular kid. I didn't grow up in Hollywood because so many times kids that grow up in Hollywood get sort of lost mm-hmm. in it, you know, and it destroys them. I just thank God that I was able to grow up as a regular kid and then pursue this and have some modicum of, of success. Mm-hmm. That clearly, you know, we may have a plan for ourselves, but I think God has a different plan for us. It's like his plan is not necessarily the same as ours. And it's up to us to decide if we're going to fight it or accept it. Exactly. And even if you fight it, you know. Eventually. <laughs> eventually you get back around to what he wants you to do. You realize, oh, wait, my plan wasn't that great after all. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, uh, another thing is I was looking through your, your website. I saw that you, you're currently serving as vice president of the Moxie Theater in Encinitas. What is the Moxie Theater? The Moxie Theater Company is a theater group that was founded by four talented actresses and, uh, well, three actresses and, and a director here in San Diego. When they first approached me about being on the board the year that they were starting the theater, they had this party and then sort of explain what they were doing. And basically, you know, they read they read a quote from, from the Times that said that 17% of all plays produced, only 17% were written by women. Mm. And then they read a quote that said, women playwrights win awards, men get produced. Ah. And then they went on to say, so what we're trying to do is start a theater that gives women sort of an equal footing in the theater. We're mm-hmm. going to produce plays by men and women that feature roles. At least 50% of the roles are women roles. So that's our criteria for doing a play. So we're in our third season now. In our first three seasons, we've already won eight Union Tri- Tribune Awards and Pate Awards. Wow. So we've been doing great work and a lot of very new work from fabulous writers, male and female. That's awesome. Yeah, it's been it's been it's been a hoot. And one of the things was the the artistic director of the theater, Delicia Turner Sonnenberg. I met her at San Diego Rep, and she had a baby while she was working there, and she brought her baby to work every day. And that was another thing that they were looking to create an environment where people can bring their kids, right? You know, while they're working. And so um, part of the mission is to do workshops for kids and. If you uh, wanted to come and see a play and you couldn't get a babysitter, you can bring your kid and send them to the workshop. Oh, neat. That's a really good idea. Right. And so right now we're in a campaign of trying to find the money to, one, either build a theater in Encinitas. We're working with the city and the the bureaucracy is so (laughs) slow-moving that we could probably build a theater ourselves (laughs) waiting for them (laughs) by hand. And then the other thing is, you know, there may be an opportunity uh, in San Diego proper to move into an existing theater. That sounds, it sounds exciting and it sounds like you guys are really growing and expanding. 
growing, expanding, and, you know, always just looking for that next piece that's going to be great and interesting. And, you know, and we're looking for people that want to participate with us. I mean, we're always looking for tech folks, you know, that are exciting and have vision. And we're always looking for, you know, new actors and actresses and people who want to, you know, donate can go to the moxytheater.com and send us money. We we take it. Or if you want to go see a show, check out the, the website and see what, what you guys are producing. Yeah, moxytheater.com. Cool. Okay, we'll post a link up on the on chucktv.net for that also. Thank you. Yeah. And now in the past, I see that you've also served as president of um, APTRA. Is this right? Yes. No, in San Diego? San Diego. Yeah. President of APTRA and vice president of the SAG board. Okay. So it sounds like you are not just a performer. But you, you're giving back to the actor community as well by serving in these positions. Yeah, it, it was uh, an opportunity that came up to be on the board. And the way I like to tell it is that I got suckered into being on the board. And next thing I know, I was president. <laughs> Through that, really learned the ins and outs of the contract process and what the contracts mean. And then uh, I was nominated by John Connolly, who was the president of the SAG National I mean, the Astra National Board, to be on the negotiating committee for the, the contract that expired this past June mm-hmm. for uh, the Screen Actors Guild in Astra. And through that process, you know, went through the whole negotiating process with the AMPTP, and through that process really learned a lot about how the industry works from that side of it, you know, from the business side of it. You know, right. why do actors get what they get to go to work? and you know, how, how all the little things come into play, you know, health care and all that kind of stuff. You know, we're faced with a situation right now in Hollywood where it seems as though we, we may be looking in the face of another strike. And part of me feels like, you know, we need to fight for certain things, but then there's certain things in the package that we shouldn't be fighting for because the ship has already sailed. So I think that, you know, if there's any actors out there listening to this, definitely try to get as much information as you can and make an informed decision on how to vote. Don't listen to the propaganda that's coming out of some of the offices Mm -hmm. and vote your heart and your mind and not what other folks feel you should vote. And what do you think the fans could be doing? We're often the, the silent third party here. As we're leading up to a possible strike, or if there is a strike, what what could the fans be doing to um, to support you guys? I think I think the fans should just continue to watch the shows that they love to watch. The sad fact of the matter is, you know, the producers will will ultimately go to more reality programming if there's a strike. Mm-hmm. And um, in fact, uh, if you if you've noticed this year, there are only a, a handful of sitcoms on the air. Mm-hmm. And what filled most of those spaces were reality shows. Yeah, believe me, I've noticed. <laughs> it cost them nothing to shoot. Right. And, you know, because those shows, you know, are the hot thing right this second, they can sell the advertising space for the same amount of money. Mm-hmm. So they're killing, making a killing. Right. And uh, it's all about, you know, not being fair to actors. You know, producers are really not wanting to pay actors. You're worth Every time that they sell a project, you know, if, if I'm in it, I should get paid for it, shouldn't I? Sure. Yeah. It seems simple to me. <laughs> That's basically what the issue is. I'm hoping that there's not a strike. I'm hoping that we can reach reach a deal because, you know, the strike hurts everybody. Exactly. Well, fingers crossed. Yes. Yes. 
Well, let's move on to talking about the, the show of the moment, which is Chuck. Something that, of course, we on our website are, are loving. And we've seen a lot of new fans uh, finding us. Our forum at chucktv.net has really picked up this um, season with people coming in and debating every single tiny thing on the show. What does this mean? Um, how did you end up on Chuck? Well, I auditioned for the pilot for the role of Harry Tang. Ah. Obviously didn't get the role of Harry Tang. No. <laughs> and, and Thank goodness. And they called my agent and said, look, we want to give Mark another part. And um, it was a guest star, possibly recurring. Uh-huh. And uh, when the show got picked up for the first 13 episodes, it was definitely recurring. And then about halfway through the season, you know, they said, well, you know, we want to try to keep him around, so let's do a deal for the back nine. And then the, the writer strike happened, and we didn't shoot the back nine. But when we did start back, we were in the second season, and I was a series regular. Hooray! Yeah. That was a, a nice surprise for us, um, for the fans, and I'm sure for you guys, too. But when we saw the new credits and saw that the Bimorians were included there and, and that you guys were now series regulars, we were very excited for you guys. Yeah, that was great. I was I was very happy. You know, and it it came from Peter Roth's office at Warner Brothers that you know they needed to lock some people up. He's such a great guy that uh, it really made me feel good to see that you know someone is actually taking taking notice of what you do and think that it's important to pay you. Yeah. <laughs> what is the process for for filming a scene on check this is um, a question that the fans have been kind of wondering about do you guys do a lot of rehearsal is there much improv do you do many reshoots of the same scene well the way it works is the script comes out and usually the same day the script comes out we get a scene breakdown and schedules the calls and a thing called the day out of days which tells you exactly what day you're supposed to be working mm-hmm. you know based on nothing going wrong and days being pushed. And then when you get to the set, there's a list of shots that have to be done for that day, and they're not shot in order. You go to the set, you do a rehearsal with the director for the scene, and he sort of maps out how he wants to stage it. Then you do a rehearsal for the crew so they can see where the cameras need to be, and they sort of mark it on the floor. And then the first team, which is the actors that are actually going to be in the scene, goes away. The second team, the stand-ins, stand in and read through the lines while the crew light and uh, set cameras up and all that kind of stuff. And then you come back and you rehearse one for camera, and then you start shooting. Sometimes it's quick. Sometimes (laughs) it takes a long time. It sounds like, um, yeah, a lot of hurry up and wait. It's a lot of hurry up and wait, and, and I think that's the hardest part. The waiting is the hardest part. Mm-hmm. You always say, I act for free. They pay me to sit around. Yeah, that's funny. How do you guys keep it fresh? I mean, when we see the episode, each scene, it looks like you are, you know, doing it for the very first time in a good way. That's just talent. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's an art to it. Writers, TV writers especially, are, are pretty, they like hearing the words they wrote, mm-hmm. you know, which I understand. Right. So there's not a lot of improv on our set. There's a little bit at the end of scenes. You know, people sort of rattle on at the end of a scene or something. Mm-hmm. And sometimes some of that stuff gets in because it's funny. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part, you know, you do the scene as written. And as an actor, I mean, that's your job to make it fresh every time. Mm-hmm. You guys are really good at it. 
I know you shoot some long days, and I gotta say, it never. Yeah. Changed. You can never tell. <laughs> yeah, sometimes some long nights. <laughs> yeah. Who's the most fun to work with on set? Mm, that's a hard one. Everybody is, is fun. Everybody that I've worked with, I've had a great time working with. I think in the first season, there was a, there was an episode where all of my stuff was, was with Josh Gomez, who plays Morgan. Mm-hmm. And that was a hoot because he's so funny. I think he's probably my favorite character on the show. And it was a hoot working with him. But I really like working with Zach because he carries the show. He's in almost every scene, and sometimes he's exhausted, but the cameras come come on, and he comes to life, and he's such a professional. So I love working with him just because, I, you know, even though I'm older than him and, and probably have been around much longer than him, I'm picking up stuff from him. Huh. You know, and then, and then working with the people at the Bymore, you know, uh, Vic and Scott Krinsky and Julia, you know, it's, it's really um, a lot of fun when those guys are all on at the same time. <laughs> I'll bet. We've had a chance to chat with Julia and Scott recently, and, and they both say that it's such a fun set to work on, that they just love being there and, and working with everybody. Yeah. Yeah, I actually went to the set yesterday, and I wasn't even called, and, <laughs> you know, and it's over 100 miles away from my home. Yeah. So you go just to hang out? I just wanted to hang out for, for a little bit and just see how things were going. Do you guys hang out much offset? A little bit. Not a whole bunch, just because people are kind of scattered and the schedule is so rough. It's hard to really schedule things. But every once in a while, you know, we may get out a little early and somebody will say, well, let's go and grab a bite or something. And so we've done that a few times. You were talking about uh, filming with Josh uh, Gomez and having a lot of fun with that. What are your favorite scenes to shoot? Well, recently... Um, my favorite scene has been Big Big Mike has a new love interest. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. I thought Big Mike was married. Big Big Mike is uh, his life is taking it taking a turn. Aha! Uh-huh. And we've we've heard rumors on who Big Mike's love interest might be. Is there a connection with the Bymore? Uh, possibly. Uh huh. Without letting the cat out of the bag, there's possibly a buy more connection. Uh huh. That sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun scenes to shoot coming up. Well, the one that we shot already was fun. Oh, oh, this has already happened. Yeah, we already shot part of that storyline. Well, I'm I'm not going to prod you too much on that one because we want to leave. <laughs> Let's say that by the end of the day, my lips were chapped. Really. <laughs> Well, that is an intriguing statement right there. Checks fans, uh, dissect, analyze (laughs) your mission, should you choose to accept it. Another question we had from um, the fans, actually a fan named my brother Rob, is what is your favorite prop? Hmm. That's a hard one. It's it's a toss-up between the donuts (laughs) and the little uh, electronic fishing device. Uh-huh. And does a little electronic fishing device actually work? Yeah, it does. Are you a fisher? Do you fish in real life? I fish once a year with my brother-in-law in Florida. Oh, wow. So for the big fish. Yeah, and it's fun. I, I, I think I'm going to, you know, when we get picked up for next season, I'm going to probably host a Big Mike fishing challenge here in San Diego. Awesome. So we'll open it up to the public so people can come out and fish with Big Mike and other cast members. And, you know, we'll raise some money for charity and 
have a lot of fun. That is an excellent idea. And I like that you said when, not if. You're picked up for your next season. Clearly. The power of positive thinking. You know, it got you guys picked up for an entire season before this one even premiered. So exactly. something's working for you guys or someone. Yes. Yes. You and the other uh, cast members or creative team, do you chat about the mythology, the storylines of the show, and try to figure out where it's going? Um, well, the writers do their thing in another building. Uh-huh. And um, every once in a while, a writer will come to me and say, hey, we've been talking about this about for you, and um, what do you think? And I'll throw in my two cents, but I don't know that it really, you know, affects the way they have their conversation. Mm-hmm. But the cast members, are you guys there speculating and trying to figure out, you know, what, what's going on? Like, now we know that Chuck is searching for his father, and there's a lot of speculation on the on the fan forums about his father and mother and where they've been and what they've been doing and why they left. Are those things that you guys talk about, or are you playing video games? <laughs> There's a little bit of video game playing. Um, generally, when we're at work, you know, we're, fo- we're so focused on what we're doing that when we're not shooting a scene, you know, you try to have some relaxation during that downtime. And it's, it's it would be like, you know, talking shop at the shop. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. There's not a lot of that that happens, no. In your opinion, which cast member is most like their character and who is most different? Um, I think I'm probably most different from my character. Yeah, Big Mike's a pretty angry guy, isn't he? I don't know that he's angry. I think he's just efficient. Uh-huh. <laughs> he's just a stereotypical boss that doesn't want to do anything. Uh-huh. You know, he's forceful. And, and you know, I'm the polar opposite of that. So who, so who would be the most like their character? Uh, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's Lester. It's, it's Vic. Really? <laughs> hey, that's a mischievous giggle you've got there. <laughs> I think I need to line up an interview with him next. He is a very mischievous guy. You know, like if you come in and your lines are absolutely right, you know, he's messing with you the whole time. Okay. Well, I think I'm going to have to, we're going to have to chat with him about that and see what he thinks. And then also Sarah Lancaster, you know, her character is very sweet and so is she. Yeah. I had a chance to talk with her about a year ago and she seems like a real sweetheart. She is so sweet. She's you know just you know all the all the people on the show are really great to be around, and it's been a blast. Describe to us something we don't know about the show that would surprise us. The Bymore is not actually in a store. It's not a real store. No. Didn't it start out as a real store? Uh, we shot the pilot in a real store, mm-hmm. and we just set dressed it to you know with the green and yellow. The uh, current location in the soundstage okay it's a huge one yeah yeah <laughs> well i wanted to talk a little bit about um the how the spy world meets the buy more world and we saw that particularly in um chuck versus the gravitron where big mike took out leader yep that was awesome i told my wife we were shooting um you know i'm supposed to be going fishing so we're on these trails in griffith park and it was like 100 that day, 102 or something. Uh-huh. And it was so hot. And I'm, it had me running up and down this hill. And I came home that night, and that was my last day until the following week when we when we shot the stuff with Leader. Uh, I told my wife, I said, I'm so glad that I get to hit somebody in this episode. <laughs> Is that because when I played football, the thing that I liked about it was that 
at the end of a 30 or 40 yard sprint, you got to hit somebody. <laughs> I was so looking forward to having a collision with Lear. There was a lot of energy behind that. I could tell. Yeah, it um, it was a lot of fun to shoot on into six in the morning. <laughs> then your your comment to Casey, did Grimes leave you in charge? And he just grunts at you. That's you know that's classic. That was that was awesome. Right, he's so oblivious. Yeah, yeah. That was my next question: Is does Big Mike have a clue what's going on? Not at all. No, it's it's so funny to watch that, and it's one of the things that I personally like most about the show is when we see those two worlds collide. But the one doesn't know, you know, the Bymore world, the way things happen, there's, you know, the Bymoreans just don't have a clue what's actually going on. Right. And, and in order to pull that off, it, you know, it takes some clever planning and setting things up way, way at the beginning, of course, where Big Mike was paranoid about the thieves coming in and cleaning out the store ahead of time. And you're like, okay, this is just a way to get these Lester and, and Morgan and, and uh, Jeff stuck in the buy more overnight or no, it's actually the big punchline the entire yeah, episode. That's great writing. It is. And what other projects do you have in the works? I know that um, you are regular on Chuck, but you're, as you mentioned, you're not in every episode. What else are you working on? Yeah, I'm working on a couple of things. I'm comedy wise. I'm, I'm working on a tour. Mm. I'm planning a comedy show in Napa Valley in March. Oh, that sounds that sounds rough, Mark. I'm sorry you have to go hang out in Napa. Well, you know, I was there just recently, and I'll probably be there for uh, New Year's. Uh-huh. And I, I like being up there so much that I, I said to my wife, I said, well, you know what? We should we should plan a show up here. And so I talked to my publicist, and so we're going to tie it to one of my charities and do a show there in March. Cool. Try to do it early March before all of my cast gets out of town so that, you know, they can come and have fun, too. Sure. What charities are you are you working with? Um, well, I just did a thing for Toys for Tots. I'm all about, if it has to do with kids, uh, you know, I, I love doing things with kids, juvenile diabetes and kid education stuff. There's a L.A. thing that, that's called City Scholars that I love. Breast cancer, I'm all for saving the breast. <laughs> well, we're glad you're on our team. <laughs> you know, it, it's a necessity. We have to have them. That's right. <laughs> I agree. Doing my part. <laughs> you know, that could be the new campaign to, to raise awareness among men. Yes. Well, you know, it, it's interesting that you say that because before I was married and moved to San Diego, I lived in Venice Beach, California. Mm-hmm. And the gentleman that owned the duplex that I was renting died of breast cancer. Oh, really? Mother and sister had passed from it. He had been in remission for 10 years and it came back just with a vengeance. Mm-hmm. And within a year, he was gone. Wow. Before that, I never knew guys got breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And uh, it really opened my eyes and said, look, if I can help in any way, I'm going to start doing stuff. It's, uh, yeah, when it hits close to home, that really wakes you up, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and, and you know, Rick was just a great guy. He was, he was anything that we would do for, uh, you know, we produced a lot of plays at that time. Anything that we were involved in, he wanted to be a part of. He was an architect, and in Venice, he created all this, these uh, low-income uh, housing units, mm-hmm. and just a really great guy in the true sense of the word. 
Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, I guess if there's a silver lining, it's that it brought you, you some awareness so that you could work on helping find the cure. Well, um, since this is going to air um, in the new year, what is your New Year's resolution? Generally, what I do around New Year's time is, is I say, I'm going to try to be a better person mm-hmm. in every sense of the word. I'm going to try to be better to me and those around me. And in that, that encompasses all of my vices, and I think that that helps. You know, because then I'm, I'm actively thinking, okay, what do I need to do for me? Mm-hmm. And then how does that affect other people? And what do I need to do for other people? Yeah. And then I just spend the year trying to stick to that. That's a good attitude, I think. Well, those are all the questions I've got for you for today. Um, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us. Well, thank you. The pleasure was all mine. Oh, we I really appreciate it. It's interesting to talk to someone who is involved in so many different aspects of show business, you know, um, on stage, in front of the camera, behind the scenes. It's an interesting career you've worked out for yourself. Yeah, you, you know, it's funny. It's like I woke up one day and all of a sudden I, I looked back and I was like, wow, my career has not been bad. No, not at all. You know, that reminds me, though, I did have one question that I meant to ask you way back when we were talking about some of your other projects that you had appeared in Terminator 2. And I wondered if you were watching the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Occasionally. It airs opposite Chuck, so. Occasionally I'll see it. I usually would rather see Chuck. So, yeah. But if somebody that I know is going to be on there, mm-hmm. flip over and try to, try to catch up. Well, um, Liz, who also works with me on this um, on ChuckTV.net. She's a huge fan of um, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, and I just started watching it on Hulu recently, and it, it's a really good show. But I got to say, I can't give up Chuck. I have to watch Chuck and then watch Sarah Connor later. Yeah, our, our second AD, Susan, mm-hmm. her husband, who was the stunt coordinator for Terminator 2, is uh, consulted on the Chronicles. Oh. So you kind of get updates on what's going on over there anyway? Yeah. Well, groovy. I know that this has gone way longer than I originally anticipated. There's just been so much to talk to you about. So we we do want to go ahead and wrap it up. Thank you very much. This has been great. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. If I don't talk to you before, have a a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. And we're back. How was that talking to Mark Christopher Lawrence? You know, he is so interesting. He has such an extensive resume. As he mentioned, he's also involved in the kind of community side of of the business where, you know, representing actors in various unions in different ways, uh, different committees. Um, so he, you know, it was really interesting to talk to him. There's a lot going on with Big Mike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I was impressed with... Um... I mean, number one, he was very generous with his time. He really was. But also the fact that um, he's he's not in this just for himself. He he really is in this for for a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants to wants to help people, even the people around him. He has a number of different charities that he and he's even thinking of new charities. Yeah, <laughs> as if he weren't busy enough. He's he's got lots of other things I think that he would still like to accomplish. So we're really fortunate that he was able to take the time to talk with us um, for the podcast. But yeah, he was just a delight to talk to. We'll hope to hear from him again. Mm -hmm. 
we actually don't have any spoilers this week. As we mentioned on our last podcast, there are some reasons for that, which we won't go into now. You can listen to the spoiler section from episode 12 if you want to hear the reasons for that. But if you do have any tips, if you do have any spoilers that you would like to tell us, please uh, email. For this week, we don't have any specific ones. That's right. We'll just sign off here. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to vote for us at podcastalley.com, or if you download the podcast from iTunes, be sure to leave comments for us as well. Take care, everybody. And don't forget the contest. Send in your photos with 3D glasses. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.